0: Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 890. Both came back up the steps carrying a small clear bottle. Is there anything else you need? I have a good stock of paper and ink here too. It may come to that by tomorrow, Chronicler said. I've used up most of my paper, but I can grind more ink tonight. Don't put yourself to the trouble, Quoth said easily. I have several bottles of fine Aruian ink. True Aruian ink? Chronicler asked surprised. Quoth gave a broad smile and nodded. That's terribly kind of you, Chronicler said, relaxing a bit. I'll admit I wasn't looking forward to spending an hour grinding tonight. He gathered up the clear bottle and cloth, then paused. Would you mind if I asked you a question? Unofficially, as it were? A smirk curled the corners of Quoth's mouth. Very well, then. Unofficially. I can't help notice that your description of Cezura doesn't... da <laughs> Chronicler hesitated. Well, it doesn't quite seem... "'to match the actual sword itself.' "'His eyes flickered to the sword behind the bar. "'The handguard isn't what you described.' Quoth gave a wide grin. "'Well, you're just sharp as anything, aren't you?' "'I don't mean to imply,' Chronicler said quickly, looking embarrassed. Quoth laughed a rich, warm laugh. "'The sound of it tumbled around the room.' and for a moment the inn didn't feel empty at all. No, you're absolutely right, he turned to look at the sword. This isn't. What did the boy call it this morning? His eyes went distant for a moment, then he smiled again. Sarah, the poet killer. I was just curious, Chronicler said apologetically. Am I supposed to be offended that you're paying attention? Quoth, laughed again. What fun is there in telling a story if nobody's listening? He rubbed his hands together eagerly. Right then, dinner. What would you like? Hot or cold? Soup or stew? I'm a dab hand at pudding, too. They settled on something simple to avoid restocking the stove in the kitchen. Quoth moved briskly around the inn, gathering what was needed. He hummed to himself as he fetched cold mutton and half a hard, sharp cheese from the basement. These will be a nice surprise for Bast, Quoth grinned at Chronicler as he brought out a jar of brined olives from the pantry. He can't know we have them, or he'd have eaten them already. He untied his apron, pulling it off over his head. I think we have a few tomatoes left in the garden, too. Both returned after several minutes with his apron wrapped into a bundle. He was spattered with rain, and his hair was in wild disarray. He wore a boyish grin, and at the moment he looked very little, like the somber, slow-moving innkeeper. And that's the page! I'm Nick. I'm Jordana.
1: I'm Jeremy. Quoth is really feeling himself. He's singing. Uh, he's laughing. Uh, he speaks a, a line in rhyme. I'm a dab hand at putting two. And then at the end of the page, it is, the, the truth is put to it where he's like looking less like the innkeeper. He's looking like the boyish, uh, you know, fun-loving fellow. This is the first time he's been like this. And I think it's interesting that the question of the sword is doing a lot of work. We should be asking ourselves this, right? And, and I think most readers, certainly I was when I read this, I was also going like, wait, then that sword doesn't totally match. And this is a confirmation. This isn't the same sword uh, from the story. And Quoth's reaction is like, if it was a sad story, like, I don't know how to how to really take this. If if the loss of Sisera was like tragic, would he have this reaction where he laughs and like smiles and is like, I'm glad you're paying attention. And then before we get into that, I do think that there is an invitation by Rothfuss to close read here. What fun is telling a story if you're not paying attention?
2: Yeah. That's what I meant yesterday when I was like, Rothfuss makes it textual. Like you, like if you weren't up until this point, he's pointing out like, Hey, I might not be giving you all the information that you need. You might have to be looking a little more closely at this story to get everything that's going on,
1: Mm -hmm. and that's cool and fun, and I love it. And it's it's fun to have narrator Quoth kind of reach through with Rothfuss's voice to say, "Thank you for this podcast."
0: Mm -hmm. To say we feel validated.
2: (laughs) I don't think we're supposed to be thinking about the emotional context of like what, like if he did lose Cezura, what that means to him or why. Like, I think we're just. I think Quoth is. The emotional valence of this is, quote, being a clever boy, and going, aha, so you're paying attention. Yeah, that's Nazi Zura, isn't it? Oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get around to that eventually. Totally. Yeah. Oh, well, time to
1: have dinner. Like, you know, very <laughs> much changing the subject, right? Olives would have traveled a long way, right? You need Mediterranean climates to grow olives, so those are a real a real rare treat. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we've been anywhere that you could grow olives so far in the, in the story, right?
2: Yeah, I guess I kind of assumed that where they where they're like on the coast that that would feel Mediterranean to me just because it feels like it's on the southern part of the four corners and I just like when you're on the southern part of a continent in a European fantasy setting that just like it's giving Mediterranean Hmm. you know in the same way that like Dorne feels Mediterranean
1: we have an extremely relevant letter actually so remember that we said this
2: I I will but I I, there's still stuff on the page I want to talk about Aruayan ink. Uh, I thought earlier Chronicler was asking for supplies for making the ink, but I think Jordan is right that he's, they're two separate asks. He needs supplies to clean the nib of his pen and he he's, he was going to ask for like something to help him uh, grind, or maybe he already has the, the stuff he needs to grind the ink.
1: Yeah. Probably anything of like value for trade was taken. So the wood alcohol, I can see that being stolen and like any decent cloth, ink rocks, probably not much, not useful.
2: Or maybe the guys who robbed him like wouldn't know that that's what they were for and just thought they were like bits of... That they, could, they could
0: theoretically just look like black stones depending on how they're made.
2: Is this a thing, Jordana? Do you have to like grind? Did you have to like grind ink back in the day? It depends
0: on the kind of ink. A lot of uh, I think probably the most common thing that you would see now in like an art in like your basic art shop would be a Sumi ink kit and in those they have like a, a essentially an, an ink stick and uh, it's like part of the process that you that you grind down the ink to to make it with water
1: right um, have you ever made Katie ink
0: is this going back to the Miller thing
1: it is yeah you need a Katie Miller you need a Katie Miller to grind the Katie ink yeah 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 was that a joke that we did on the air? Or I don't. That a, I don't <laughs> was that in between I episodes?
0: <laughs> I don't remember if this was a joke we did on the air. Either way, I don't like it. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> our favorite kind of joke.
1: Yeah, and next time you see your friend, you'll just be like, "Oh, I'm just picturing you being ground into uh, into a paste and then
2: slurped up, used right with."
0: And no, she might forget who I am now. It's been a while since I've seen her.
1: Well, if you if you break into She's her like, bedroom going grist for the mill, grist for the mill, I'm sure you will be very memorable.
2: I also like the world building detail that when they're deciding on what they're going to make for dinner they pick something where they won't have to relight the stove like they won't have to like stoke a fire in the stove which I do feel like oftentimes in fantasy fiction those kinds of just like the day in day out mundane details of like how much harder you had to work to get anything done in like a pre industrial society a lot of those details kind of get glossed over because that's not the fun part of telling the story in that setting. And I do appreciate Rothfuss, like, calling out those little details, like, grinding something to make ink, or having, if you want to make dinner, well, it's going to take several hours because first you have to stoke the stove so that it's hot enough to cook. You know, a thing that I have simply never thought about. I remember Nick and I went camping one time with some friends, and we were like, ah, when we get to the campsite, we will make stew. And what we had not accounted for, for 30 year old people, had not accounted for is like, well, first we have to make a fire. And the fire has to get hot enough to make the stew. And then the stew's going to take like an hour to sit there bubbling away. Uh, so it, it, we were all like really ravenous by the time that stew got made because it took like several hours of work to happen.
1: Yeah, but that was a real good shakshuka. It
2: was a real good shakshuka the next morning, that's for sure. And that night, we didn't have shakshuka that night, we had stew that night. We had like a potato stew. I remember because I was chopping the potatoes and the carrots.
1: Are you sure that didn't just go in the shakshuka? Yes. Huh.
2: We had shakshuka? I'll... We had shakshuka for breakfast the next day. Oh, I only remember that. Well,
0: how long ago was this camping trip? Why wasn't I invited?
2: Uh, it was several years ago and you weren't invited uh because we wanted to spite you.
0: Oh, man.
2: Yeah,
1: it, we actually called it the No Jordana trip. Mm-hmm. The group chat was the trip of No Jordanas. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. Is there anything else we want to talk about on this one?
1: I mentioned we have a, a relevant letter. Really? Uh, the Jade Blade writes, Dear Pagers, as I re listen to the podcast, a thought occurred to me that I don't think anyone has mentioned. I think that the Illish people might be the Temerant equivalent to the Irish. On page 45 of the Wise Man's Sphere, Quoth and Co. are at the Yolian and hear a Yillish piper playing a sad lilting tune, which is a phrase often used to describe Irish, ballad, Irish ballads. Also, the word lilting is often used to describe the Irish dialect. In fact, in chapter 67 of the Wise Man's Sphere, Quoth is at a dinner with Melwyn Lackless, and to Melwin's right was a Yillish couple chatting away in their own lilting language. One other note about language is that in chapter 147 of The Wise Man's Fear, Denna is talking to Quoth and says, Even Yilish folk barely know Yilish these days, which also mirrors real Irish history, in that the English made it illegal to speak Irish in 1367. Therefore, there are few people living today who are fluent in Irish, not to be confused with Gaelic, which is what was spoken in Scotland. In chapter 61 of The Name of the Wind, Vieri speaks Yilish to Quoth and then says, Oh, sorry, you looked Yilish. The red hair fooled me. Since red hair is more common among the Irish than any other culture, it is another data point to my theory. Lastly, there is the matter of Yilish story knots, or simply Yilish knots. The Celts in general, most often meaning the Irish in layman's terms, have a history of a complicated knotwork in their arts and textiles. This, accompanied by the rich mythological history of Ireland, may have transmuted itself into the magical knots of the Yilish people. Sincerely, signed The Jade Blade
2: I think that's a really I don't know if we're meant to think of them as like literal equivalents, but I I think that you've presented a strong case for uh, the Irish and Irishness and Irish culture uh, as being like an inspiration for the Yilish uh, Yilish people. Like, you know, a Celtic knot is not something that you braid into your hair. It's like a it's like a. Uh, sort of a like a cultural like symbol and like a pattern that you see a lot on like art and design. I guess that could be true of Yelish knots as well. Um, yeah, Yelish
1: knots. I don't think they're meant to be braided into hair. They're 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 like on ropes, right? They're in the archives as like lengths of
2: rope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's not quite the same thing with like a Celtic knot, which is like a symbol that you'll see on like a door or on people's clothing and stuff. But I do think that like all the evidence you've presented is. A really interesting kind of like cultural um cultural comparison.
1: Indeed. And I'm looking forward to learning about I always sort of pictured them as like I don't know, druids almost. Um, which does kind of uh fit with the with the the iris theme. But I, I suppose we're gonna go there in book three, right? It seems to me it seems to me like that's gonna be uh a setting. I don't have a ton of exposure to Irishocity, but now that you mention it, a lot of these features, I suppose you might say are, I'm going to say stereotypes. I don't mean it like in a negative way, but definitely like lilting and redheads. And
2: yeah, they are like common, like cultural descriptors and like the note about like Yillish people, not really speaking their native tongue anymore. That's, that's another interesting one. Because there are certainly people today who do speak Irish, but it's a very like regional thing. Like I feel like it's way more common in the more rural and isolated parts of Ireland that people speak Irish. Jordana, did you have any thoughts about that letter before we wrap up?
0: Um, nothing that you haven't already stated.
2: Cool. Well, then we'll uh make sure to cover everything before Jordana gets a chance to talk on tomorrow's page <laughs> of the wind. wind.